This is probably the best thing anyone can do for their mental health, but when the time came for me, I avoided it, I ignored it, and then I almost blew it. Hi, I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. You've seen me on YouTube, TV, Netflix, all this stuff that makes me seem successful and like I have everything all put together. But one year ago, I was in a pretty bad place. I was very burnt out with my job at this mental health startup, and with the content I make for you, it felt like I was just making the same stuff over and over again. I felt really stuck and in a rut. And then during what was supposed to be one of the happiest times in my family, I felt completely depressed. At that point, we felt it was sort of like an intervention. <laughs> That's Jamie Tran. He's one of my oldest and best friends. Known each other since sixth grade. We should probably talk to Nguyen Lee first. She is my wife, my best friend, and just totally the best. What are we talking about? Nguyen was squeezing in this recording in between two very important work meetings and also had this really bad cold. Uh, it's just a measly. I know, so am I. Uh, Here's what was going on one year ago. My wife had just given birth to our second child, a son. We were super excited to welcome him into our family. My daughter is five years old now, and she's wanted a sibling since forever. We wanted another child, and I love the process of becoming a dad with my daughter, and it's been amazing to see her grow up. And I thought I would feel exactly the same way about my son. What was that time like for you after our son was born? Exhaustion, trying to get through each moment. I was feeling really, actually kind of connected and like feeling really good about the new baby. But I was really missing our older daughter because I didn't have a lot of time with her. I was spending most of the time with the baby. And I was spending most of our time, most of my time with our older daughter. And it felt like I was only spending time with our son when I needed to change his diapers. And that was about it. This is so different from when my daughter was born. Back in 2017, we were living in New York. There was no pandemic. We still go out on walks. We, yeah. we still went to like coffee shops. My dad was on the subway at three months. And we were in museums and we were doing all this kind of stuff. That was not possible here you know with my son everybody was still home we, we were still not going out as much when my daughter was born my wife and i felt so connected to each other so connected to our local community and still plugged into what was happening in the world and we had so much social support social support is when you feel like other people care about you and you care about other people too i love how psychologist shelly taylor describes this whereas other animals are armed with weapons such as sharp teeth or claws and defensive resources such as thick skin and speed primate species depend critically on group living for survival social support is how we come together when we're under some type of threat or when we're stressed after a setback it's how we create safe havens for each other. We also use social support to create a secure base from which we can grow by giving each other information, advice, feedback, and also just having fun together. There's so much scientific research about how important social support is. It's really good for your mental health. It helps you deal with stress, brings down anxiety, helps you cope with depression, and it's also really important for your physical health. It really helps your immune system fight off infections and you age 
so much better when you have social support. Thinking back to my daughter's birth, my wife and I were both on parental leave so we could help each other, and there wasn't a pandemic, so the world was wide open. But when my son was born, I felt a lot of isolation and loneliness. This was, I mean, this was definitely a postpartum depression yeah. I went through. And I was thinking it was about, yeah, like less sleep. The other thing is my wife and I had to like divide and conquer. I took our daughter to school. She still had to go to school. She still had to be fed. She still needed all that stuff. So I was taking care of her, and then my wife was taking care of the baby. We never saw each other. She was sleep deprived. Yeah. We couldn't really support each other. In small amounts, a depressed mood is like a stop sign. It's your mind and body telling you that your life is not going in the direction that you want it to. I think that's what was happening with me, but I was just too overwhelmed and too exhausted. A few weeks after my son was born, there was this day when I was taking my daughter to school and I remember running a red light because I was so sleep deprived and exhausted. I, I just didn't see it. I was just going through the motions. And when I realized I ran this red light, fortunately we were okay, but I was so scared. And then that fear very quickly turned to rage. Like, I shouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't be the one taking my daughter to school. I am so exhausted. Why aren't there other people to help me? Why are we so alone in this struggle? And that feeling of rage is the primary way I started to experience my depression. Remember you feeling so angry that we were alone as a family unit because we did not have anyone around to help us. There was so much anger inside of me. It felt like there was no room for any love to grow for my son. Those first two months, I like felt nothing towards him. I remember you, you saying that. I'm really surprised I told Jamie any of this. It must have been all that sleep deprivation because when you don't get enough sleep, your mind just doesn't work well. And one of the things that stops working well is your ability to deal with your thoughts and deal with your emotions. So I think my emotions just flowed directly into our text thread. I think what was going on in my head was don't tell Nguyen everything you're feeling because it would be so devastating to her. I was struggling to with not feeling what I thought I should be feeling, which is what I felt with my daughter, with our daughter. And so in my head, it was like, don't tell Nguyen what's going on in here, but you're my constant. And so I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had, I couldn't be honest with you. And I also felt very alone. We had family members on both of our side who were saying, we want to come and help. And my go-to response was like also to push them away. Like my brain wanted help and I was angry we weren't getting help. But I was also like pushing away the help that we were getting. Yeah, why did you do that? I think that's just like depression is you feel guilt, you feel helpless, you feel anger, you're irritable, you're not thinking clearly. My mind was clearly not working the way it's supposed to. I didn't want anyone to know how I was feeling because it's just not socially acceptable for a father to feel nothing towards his son. I felt like there was something wrong with me and I wanted to keep that buried deep inside. 
there's a lot of science to back that up as well. People get less social support when there's stigma attached to the problem they're dealing with. It's something I experienced when my brother died of suicide over 10 years ago. I didn't know how to talk about it and how to ask for help. And a lot of people didn't know how to reach out and provide help because they just didn't know what to say and what to do when someone has died by suicide. We had a parent friend who was coming, who was coming over, who made us food, who was visiting and getting us things, and she was so incredibly helpful. Celine, you were the best. But I was so scared to tell her the full... Why? Because I thought people would so judge me if I told them, like, I don't know if I love my son. Yeah, I can understand that. But I, I also know that I don't, I don't feel the, the way that you do as a parent. I feel like I can, I don't feel judged when I say those things because I don't judge other people when they say those things. You know, being a parent is really hard. Being a parent of a new baby is really hard. Let's get back to that text thread with Jamie because I think it's the reason things started to change. I don't feel like we've ever been out of touch. There wasn't really a day where we didn't either text yeah. or before texting for you kids, either Facebook messaging or emailing. Sometimes... My wife gets so annoyed. <laughs> she see, she hears a the phone like ringing, and she's my like, wife too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So she both gets annoyed, but also like recognizes how important it is. I mean, I was just in Malaysia two weeks ago. I only constantly texting you guys. <laughs> I was in Qatar. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you were you were on an airplane and still texting. <laughs> yeah, same with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this speaks to the different ways people can get social support. It can be instrumental support, like when someone comes over and helps you to fold laundry or clean things up, stuff like that. It also can be emotional support when someone is listening to you when you're going through a tough time. And it also can be implicit support where you know someone is out there and they are there to support you if you need it. That's usually what my text thread with Jamie is like. When I get messages from him, even if it's about random stuff, it feels good because I know he's my friend and I know he's got my back. And because Jamie and I are so often in touch, that's why he figured out something was wrong. We so wanted to help you. We wanted to like take you out. Like a dog, like take me out for a run. Yeah. <laughs> But that was very hard, too, because yeah. we ran need to do. Yes. And also, during the time, too, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. So yeah, yes, yeah. Not riskier, right? Right. So we wanted to we wanted to do something, but yeah. it, was, it was hard to pull you away. Yeah. Which is understandable. Scientists have found a lot of people don't reach out to help someone else because they're afraid it's going to be awkward or the help they're going to give is not going to be helpful enough. But those scientists have found it's not that awkward when you reach out to help someone else. It's really appreciated. And even a small act of kindness can make a big difference in the life of someone who is struggling. We're like texting back and forth. We're like trying to get you to agree to like have us come over. This is one of the challenges of social support. When you're stressed, depressed, anxious, you're not very pleasant to be around and you have a tendency to push away the very people that are trying to support you. So those who are struggling are often the ones who are least likely to get help. But Jamie's been my best friend since forever, and he didn't let any of my nastiness push him away. At that point, we felt it was sort of like an intervention. <laughs> it came a point in time where my wife was like, 
look, just tell him that we're going to come over. And by, by the way, this is during the time where, like, I think all of us, were, we had our, like, second vaccine. Yeah, varieties. yeah, yeah. We had a few shots. It was, it was a lot safer yeah. during the time. And then my wife was just like, look, just, just tell him that we're going to come over. We can just even sit there and, like, fold fold uh towels or fold clothes or whatever or hold your son yeah play with your daughter right yeah even the smallest little thing right dude yes so i mean we felt like we should just offer that just to help any way that we can i think all of this would have been a lot easier if jamie saw me in person on a regular basis but we couldn't do that because i had a newborn Newborns are immune compromised. And there was this freaking pandemic that was still going on. I think this is why we have so many mental health crises in the world right now. It's really hard to see each other in person outside of school and work. You and I, we just went to the mall and hung out. Even those are like decaying and dying. The way we hung out and we just, go, Yeah, we used to go to the, uh, the arcade, right? At, yeah. At Westgate. Those are yeah. gone. Remember we went to Falco? Yeah, Valco's gone. Valco's gone. It's a bunch of condos now. It's a bunch of condos now. Yeah, yeah, RIP Valco. <laughs> Phones and social media have definitely nudged us towards different social norms and interactions that lead to a lot more misunderstanding, a lot more social comparison, stuff that might make it harder to get and give social support. If we're able to create technology that nudges us more towards social support and more towards disclosing towards others when we're struggling and being able to provide support to each other and real connection to each other when we need it, that's going to be a great thing. As it is right now, most of the tech seems to be optimized for getting us to engage with content as opposed to getting us to engage face-to-face with each other. One of the last surviving third places where people can get together are the movie theaters. Movies have always been a big part of my friendship with Jamie. We always go see blockbusters together. We love doing impressions of celebrities. And there is one movie franchise, I guess, now that we have always loved throughout our entire friendship together. We always loved Top Gun. Oh, my God. The original. Yeah, yeah. We would do the the high five stuff. I do uh, the need for speed. for speed, and then Maverick. You remember when the teaser came out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you and I were just like, oh, yeah, God, yeah. We like watched it so many times. Whenever I was having a bad day, I just pop out the teaser. Yeah, because uh, you know that sound that yeah, and then the it just puts me in a good mood. So, you know, Spotify has every year they have a year in review. Yeah, yeah. And they will um, do a, a showcase of all of your uh, top albums that you listen to, top songs. Yeah. Guess what my top song was? Danger Zone? No. The theme? The theme. The Top Gun was the opening. That was my number one yeah. stream song. Totally. He picks that totally checks out. So the movie came out, which you you got to see like when it came out. I didn't because I had like a five-day-old or something like that. Yeah. I was devastated. <laughs> I was, I've alluded to the story in another video and someone wrote in a comment, babies are more important than movies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 And... I was depressed. Uh-huh. I was looking forward to this thing. Yeah. And I hate spoilers. Yes. Everybody hates spoilers. No. 
Oh, no. No? Most of the patients I've seen, like, below the age of 30, don't care. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, don't care about the spoilers or don't care about the movie Top Gun? Well, probably both. Uh, We're old now. Top Gun's a movie for... Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's... We're elder millennials here. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean uh, when the movie came out, I had a conversation with my coworker, yeah. and uh, he told me he had never seen the first one, and I was just like, "Yeah, God, yeah, you did the face bomb, you did the Picard face bomb. <laughs> <laughs> you were a meme." I was super depressed, and I felt like lonely and isolated and missing out. And when you saw it, I thought, "Is this my future?" I'm never going to be able to do anything fun again. I 100% believe that. Yeah. That like, this is a sign of how my life is different. Yeah. And and it was also like a sign that I couldn't do the thing I wanted to with one of my best friends, you know, that we have been looking forward to for years. And then I thought, I, I, I thought I got the spoiler. <laughs> I thought I got this stupid spoiler from this stupid article oh that made it seem like I'm going to partially not spoil Top Gun. I don't know if this is... Is it a spoiler to tell what a spoiler was and it's not true? I don't know. It's been out for a while. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Top Gun, I mean, go see it. Airplanes, you know, boom, boom. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I got this trailer that I thought Maverick, Tom Cruise's character, dies, and he doesn't. Yeah. But I believed it. Yeah. You know what I did? I went... I, think I know what you did. Ah, I went up to my wife. I went up to New Ann. Yeah. And I said, I just got this spoiler for Top Gun. And I, like, angry cried. I was angry yeah. and super irritable, and then I just started weeping. And Nguyen was, like, not sure what to do, whether to give me a hug yeah. or what, because I was so angry. And I was like, get away from me. I'm so sad. But I'm angry and I'm sad. You're like your daughter. Yeah, that's kind of actually, yeah, 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 totally. She and I, uh, we have that in common. And then... You all came over like a day or two. Well, because then your wife told us, because your wife was like, uh, all you heard about this rumor, and he straight cried. She told you again. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, we we, we, we got to do something. So that was, that was when Jenny and I came over. Yeah. It was actually my wife Jenny's idea to be like, hey, we're school. It was the second time you guys come over. Yeah. Over. yeah. And Jenny said, I'll just I'll just stay with, with your wife and um and help out help help with your son yeah and you go take ali yeah and go see top guy yeah it's like i'm gonna see it again (laughs) i had so much fun i know you did i felt so good i felt alive how can you not feel alive with like the blaring sounds of my guns and danger zone blasting on the speakers i think they had like a subwoofers like under our butt oh yeah i remember (laughs) i remember when the plane engines revved up yeah and you were like I was like, <laughs> and the whole time I was waiting, I was like, oh, that's where Maverick dies. That's where Maverick dies. Yeah, because that's where Maverick dies. Because you were heading into the movie, you you were thinking that, oh, yeah, like Maverick, Maverick dies. Yeah. And then the whole time I was like playing along too. Yeah, because I told you. Yeah. I was like, I can't believe they kill him off. Because we were and you're on like, the way that I can't believe that either. And we're on the way there. And like, I can't believe they, ki- they, they killed him off. All right, I'm just going to go watch this. Yeah. Fine. And I was yeah. like, I know that that terrible can't believe they did that they like <laughs> killed them off and then the movie wraps up and i'm like up until the last minute you know they like take off in the airplane or yeah. something at the very end yeah. i'm like oh i guess the airplane just explodes <laughs> right here or something and then like roll credits like hold my hand thank yeah. you for your service maverick yeah yeah bye-bye yeah plus yeah <laughs> that day jamie and i saw top gun maverick together was the first time since my son was born that i remember experiencing 
pure joy. I didn't have the weight and responsibility of taking care of this new life for a few hours. I was able to get out of my head and be with someone who I loved and just have so much fun with. And I could just get a break from all that stuff that was swimming around in my head. Something that kept showing up in all the social support research I was looking at is how important it is just to have one good friend, one person you can confide in, one person who is checking in on you, one person who can give you a break from all of this stuff. You don't need a ton of friends. In fact, there's research that shows having too many can produce a lot more stress. But if you have one friend, they can make the whole difference in everything. That's what that day with Jamie did for me. It just put me on a different direction for that day and for the next few days. And then I was able to look back upon that moment and just smile at how fun it was. And then we were able to text about it and we kept sending Top Gun memes to each other and reading articles and sharing that. And this this one moment that was just a few hours, it became this experience that just lasted for for so long. It also shows that social support doesn't have to be this emotional thing where you're getting advice and being listened to and all that sort of stuff. There's some evidence that social support might be helpful just because you're spending time with other people, you clean yourself up, you focus on someone else, you get a break from your own mind for a little bit, and you do some activity that feels good to you, feels good to the other person, and then the more you do you do that stuff, the better you feel. Something I'm learning is how it's okay for all of this to not be perfect. It's okay to share with your partner that you're struggling. It's okay not to have all of your thoughts processed. It's okay to not have all of your thoughts fully formed. But just sharing something as simple as like, hey, I'm struggling. I'm going through something. I don't know what it is. I just don't feel okay right now. And I think just starting there is a huge step in like getting the support that you need from someone that you care about and who cares about you. Don't wait for like the perfect moment to share that. Just do it and then work through it together with that person. I didn't want to share with you how bad I was feeling until I felt better, which makes no sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Until you feel like you resolved your yeah. whatever you were going yeah. through. When you found out the extent to which I was struggling with my feelings towards our son, did that impact your relationship with me or your relationship with our son or with our daughter? Did it change any of that? And no, it didn't change my perspective of who you are and like you know your how you um, how you are as a father. I, but it it helped me just to be aware of it and then figure out how I could help you in like the little ways. In my head, I thought she must feel so bad knowing this, or she must you know be so upset at me, or or, or it would really be a net negative for our family if you know this i'd rather us deal with the crap than than you know assume that you're okay you can't tell how someone's feeling by looking at them you didn't know how down i was i made a lot of assumptions yeah 
And I made a lot of assumptions, which is why I didn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, and I think people make a lot of a, a lot of assumptions based on how they are feeling, not on how you know, because they don't yeah. understand what the other person is going through. You can never really know what the other person is going through unless they tell you. Yeah. So a lot of the time, you're just assuming and guessing based on what you're feeling. We can't expect people who are stressed, anxious, depressed to be the ones that always reach out for help. Their minds are just so focused on the problem they're dealing with. If we're worried about people like that in our lives, we have to be the ones that reach out. We have to be the ones that try something. This is why I believe social support is the essential skill we need to navigate all these mental health crises in front of us. It's how we can scale mental health support in communities. I know it won't solve all problems and people who are really struggling with stuff will probably need professional support. But I do believe this is one way we can rethink how mental health can work for the masses. Number one, just like making it clear that you're you're there to help, you're there to listen, even if it's just like coming over and just sitting there and yeah. just providing company or just doing whatever it is that you could do to, to help your friend. Just proactively check in with your, your friend and like even for like a half an hour, like take him out for a walk or something like that. Yeah. Help them get away from like whatever's bothering them for, for just a short amount of time. Reassure them that it's it's easier said than done. That it's 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 hard to ask for, for help. Yeah. Right. Totally. So just trying to 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 make whoever you're with feel comfortable that, hey, they can talk to you. This is what we're going to do on Inside Voices. We're going to explore what is going on in the minds of people who are struggling so that we can better show up in the lives of the people we love. I don't have all the answers to this, and I'm really, really worried about people who are alone, people who are isolated, people who are lonely, people who are socially anxious, the ones who need social support the most and the ones who are least likely to get it. I want to do something about this. And through this show, I hope we can figure this out together. I was editing this episode and realized I never told you how things ended between my son and I. When my wife realized how little connection I was feeling with my son, she made the decision to change how we were parenting and make it less logical. Like my wife has my son and I have my daughter and we completely divide things in a way that like is efficient and maximizes productivity. And she changed all of that so that I was involved much more in uh, my son's nurturing. And she made the decision to start um, pumping so that I can start feeding him with a bottle. When that started to happen this switch went off in my head and that anger i was feeling it kind of faded away uh and since that things have been awesome right buddy right yeah yeah they've been good the rest of my depressed feelings took a while bit by bit week by week the more i was able to do more stuff with the rest of the world that really helped biggest positive change though came when we were able to get good quality childcare. Uh, once that happened, I felt like I could uh, be myself again. Uh, yeah. I'd, uh...
If you want to learn more about how you can apply this stuff to your own life, go to halima2.com where you can sign up to get my best social support tips delivered to your inbox every week.